Lord, we thank you. You are holy. I don't think we fully grasp just how holy, pure you truly are, Lord. None could stand before you, Lord, if it wasn't for what Jesus did on that cross. There would be no hope for anyone. And Lord, I just want to thank you this morning for making a way, a new and living way, for providing a covering, Lord, your own righteousness that we can clothe ourselves with because of what you did on that cross for us, Lord. That's the only reason why we could stand before you, Lord. And God, I thank you this morning for your grace and mercy that came to us through Jesus. Thank you, Father. Oh God, would you turn our gaze upon you, Lord? Would you help us and remind us, Lord, of the mercy you've done to us? Lord, so that we can joyfully just give ourselves over to you so we can pursue you and love you the way we should with everything we have, every fiber, Lord, so we could see everything else pales in comparison to you. And Lord, so we can share the love we know with you, with others, Lord. I know that's your desire for us, to know your love, but also to share it, to be lights, witnesses of that love and mercy, Lord. So God, just speak to us this morning, Lord. Help us to hear what you're saying to us, not someone else. Help us to hear what you're saying to us, Lord. Bless these words that I share, Lord, that I believe you will help me share from your own heart, Lord. I'm trusting you to do that, and I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we were singing that song, I kept thinking... Who am I to stand in the presence of the Lord? And I imagined in my mind that scene in Revelation where the door is open and John gets a glimpse of heaven and all the beings around the throne and they're falling down and they're worshiping him. And I'm thinking, Lord, why, why would you even grant me access into that holiest place of all, your throne room. And really, when I think about it, and the more I meditate on it, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with him. And I really, this morning, I just want to share my heart with you guys. I'm not sharing what I shared earlier with you guys. That'll be next week and the week after. Uh, this is, came to me this morning thinking about the kids getting baptized and all, but it also came about just with something Rose and I have been doing. Uh, actually, today we're done. Um, we've, we've done this 40-day sugar fast, but it's, and it's, there's a devotional that goes along with it. And, you know, sugar wasn't a huge thing for me, but everything else was. And what I saw through it was that sugar is definitely not my problem. I have a much deeper problem. Um, I like a lot of things. 
My flesh wants a lot of things. And really at the core of it is, is I want what I want. You know, and, and the flesh is just always going to want what it wants. It's never going to, your flesh, my flesh is never going to change. So we shouldn't be so surprised when God begins to reveal to us the flesh and the things we still want, the things that we still desire, the things that even maybe still have a hold on us. And he doesn't show us these things so we'll despair and, oh, what's the use, and throw our hands up. That's what the devil wants you to do. And that's what was coming to me while we were worshiping. You know, we come in, and maybe you had a bad morning. Maybe you had a bad day yesterday. Maybe in your mind's eye, you haven't been meeting the standard, whatever standard that is that you make up before God. You know, the religious things we, we know we're supposed to do, but maybe have fallen short in, or maybe he's showing you sin in your life. He's been showing you things in your life. He's not doing that. So you will despair and give up. And so I'm going to read John 21, verse 14. And I think we can all relate to this. And I want to say this. As I'm sharing with you this morning, I want to say this especially to married people. This is for you, not your spouse. So don't you dare in your mind say, oh, yeah, he or yeah, she, yeah. Don't do that. Okay? Or your roommate or whoever. You don't have to be married. We do it with anybody. Anything to get the focus off me. Right? <laughs> so this is uh, after... Jesus has risen from the dead, and he's now appearing a third time to his disciples. So it says this is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. And um, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? I want you to, as I'm reading this, I want you to think about, and I'm not doing this to get you all morbid, just how much you fail God. Because that, believe me, that's what's going through Peter's mind. It's very vivid to him right now, what, how he had failed Jesus, how he had denied Jesus utterly, utterly failed him when he thought he would die for him. So I want you to think about that as I'm reading this. I'm trusting the Holy Spirit is going to bullseye every one of us this morning. This is about you. This is about you and you alone. Nobody else. You are going to stand before God by yourself. It ain't going to be, well, this, he, she, none of that. It's going to be you and him who has all knowledge, knows all things, knows everything about you, knows all the secret stuff that goes on inside. 
your thoughts, everything, intents of your heart, everything is exposed before him to whom we must give account. It's all there. You can fool your spouse. You can fool your pastor. You can fool whoever, your people at your work. But God knows what goes on with you. He knows your heart. He knows what you think about people. He knows what you say under your breath. He knows things you hold against people. Whatever it is, he knows. It's not hidden before him. And he knows Peter's issues. He knows everything about Peter. He knew what was in Peter before Peter knew what was in Peter. And he's just reminding him in a lovingly way. It's not a condemning way. So then he says the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him this a third time. Have you ever felt that way? Maybe when God is showing you things in your life and you're just like, oh, man, just kind of like grieving, like, man, Lord, I hate what I'm like. God, just get this thing out of me. Just grief over what you're, 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 you know, what God's making real to you about yourself. He grieved. Because he said, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. Now, I want to be careful how I say this. Because Scripture's clear. If we say we love God, there should be evidence of that in our lives, okay? So I don't want to take away from that. Like, if you confess that you have put your faith in Christ and, oh, I love God, well, there should be evidence of that in your life, okay? If there isn't, you're a liar. I mean, Scripture's clear on that. Now, to say that with that, though, I want to say this. That doesn't mean you still do everything right and you're always walking in perfect love, okay? There lies our problem. You see, we want to be perfect. We want to never have a bad thought. We want to never say the wrong thing. We want to be looked at by everyone as being righteous before God, right? We, as best as we can, put on a front to other people so they don't know who we really are inside except those closest to us tend to know things a little better. Um, we just kind of get a little more loose with who we really are inside with others, especially those closer to us. You know all things, Lord. You know I love you. So now I'm going to ask you a question. This is for you personally. Who here loves Jesus? All right, I'm not trapping anybody. I'm just it's an honest question. Do you love him? 
Okay. I think that's sincere. And I think God sees your heart. And I believe God knew. Jesus knew Peter loved him. So why is he asking him? He knows all things. Right? You ever think of that? Why is Jesus asking Peter? He knows everything anyway. Right? Because he wants Peter to say it. He wants Peter to say it. And he wants you to say it. See, the devil doesn't want you to say it. The devil says, oh, no, you don't. Look at you. Look at what you're still like. Look at what you did yesterday. Remember what you did last week? Remember coming to the car in church? You don't love him. You're a liar, just like the scripture says. You're probably not even saved. I want to say something. The devil is a liar. Okay? He is a liar. You either know that you're a child of God or you don't. If you have the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is in you, he bears witness that you are a child of God. You should know that. That doesn't mean those voices aren't going to come. Oh, you're not even saved. Oh, look at you. And I want to say probably 90% of that is you. I don't want to give the devil too much credit. We do enough damage with our own thinking, our own thoughts. But the devil is an accuser of the brethren. He is constantly accusing, 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 accusing. I actually was upset this morning because, you know, you know what you know, and then you, you hear what the devil is saying. And, and you're just like, devil, you're a liar. And I don't like when he lies to people. I don't like when he lies to my wife. I don't like when he lies to, to the sheep in this uh, pasture that he's given me to oversee. And I, I'm just going to pray right now. Lord, silence the voice. He's a liar. Lord, I pray you will take authority. You know how he's been lying to each one in this room. You know he knows exactly what to speak to each one. He knows our weaknesses. He knows the things we struggle with. And Lord, I just take authority in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray you will remind everyone in this room what your voice sounds like. How you have confirmed the truth to them, Lord. How you have made real to them the very thing the enemy is lying to them about. You've already confirmed it for them. You've ever shown them a million times over. That is not what that little voice is saying. And Lord, I pray you'll take authority over the minds and hearts of everyone here this morning, everyone listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh boy, I'm sure the devil was speaking in Peter's ear. You might as well just go back to fishing. You're done, buddy. You blew it, man. You denied Jesus right when he needed you. But yet Jesus is saying, tend my sheep. Jesus ain't phased at all. Because <laughs> he knew. You understand? He knew. It's part of the plan. It's part of how God gets us to the place 
Will we trust him and not ourselves? Will we let his power work in us, not our own strivings? And that was Peter's problem. So he says, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself, you walked where you wished, and, and I just want to say that is a life lived in the flesh. That's a picture of the old man walking according to his old ways. That's the old Peter, did what he wanted, made his own decisions, just you know, planned, made his own plans, had his own hopes, his own dreams, however you want to word it. When you were younger, you girded yourself, you walked the way you wished. But when you are old... You will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me. So what is God doing? He is getting all of us to the place where we don't go where we want to go anymore. We don't say what we want to say anymore. We don't plan what we want to plan anymore. We go where maybe we don't want to go. We stay in a situation that maybe we don't want to stay in, in the flesh. You understand? We let him lead us somewhere. I don't want to go there. And really, it's just a picture of what these young ones were saying when they got baptized, what you were saying when you got baptized in water, what you were saying was, that's the old me going in the water. That's the old Peter. Yeah, that's the old life. That's the old me that did what I wanted to do, went where I wanted to do, was the ruler of my own life. He's going in the water. He's dying today. And when I come out of that water, I am proclaiming, I am giving myself to God. I am giving God the rights to my life to lead me, maybe where I don't want to go, to help me to say what he wants to say, not what I want to say, to respond the way he would respond, not the way I want to respond. Now, does that mean when they come out of that water? Now, Maddie, you're perfect now. You'll never say a wrong thing again. You'll love perfectly all the time. You'll be the perfect child to your parents from this day forth. Probably not. It's a process. But every day you wake up, you need to remind yourself, my life's not my own anymore. Jesus died for me. He shed his blood for me. And I've been bought with a price. And now I want to live for him. I want to please him. I want to honor what he did for me. But I need his help. So God, give me your spirit. I need your grace today, Lord, to live out your life, not mine anymore. Help me to die today to who I am so that people can see Jesus in my life. That's something we got to do every day. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. And he's given us the Spirit of God to empower us to do that every day. Romans 8 says, if by the Spirit, by the Spirit you crucify 
the deeds of the flesh. That's not a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. Romans 6, reckon yourselves dead. That's faith. I reckon myself dead. I've died with Christ. You understand, it's all faith. It's all faith. So he's ready, Peter, now to be shackled to Jesus. Are you? Are you ready or have you been shackled to Jesus? Have you entered the yoke? Because that, that's really what it means. I'm not going where I want, want to go anymore. I'm entering the yoke. I'm learning of him now. I'm letting him lead. I'm just following. That's that picture of entering the yoke of Christ. It's, and it's not burdensome, he says, right? We see it, though, as burdensome. Oh, I got to get under a yoke. Oh, oh I got to plow. Oh, I got to follow this other person and go where I don't want to go. And I got to do this. I don't want to do this. But Jesus said, learn of me. I'm lowly. I'm meek. My commandments aren't burdensome if you understand if you understand my heart and what I've actually done for you and, and the reward I have for you and the inheritance I have for you, I suffered. You'll have to suffer while you're here. You'll have to deny yourself. I have a plan for your life. I have works for you to do, just like my father had works for me to do. I've purchased you. you you've, I've already put eternity in your heart. I've shed my love abroad in your hearts. I've already given you a living hope that won't fade away. And, and whatever you go through for me in this life, it's momentary. It's a light affliction compared to the glory that will be revealed. You understand. He makes that real to you. So God then gets glory in my death more than in my life. He gets glory in your death more than when you're living your own life. He gets glory. Amen? So this is our calling when Jesus says, follow me. That's what it, he meant when he said to Peter, then follow me. And we understand all the disciples, save one, were martyred. They all died for the cause of Christ. I mean, John suffered. I mean, he was boiled in oil. Um, we're called to a life of self-denial. Now, I want to read about another one in Acts 20. This is Paul, the apostle. Just to show us what God has called us to. You see, I've struggled with this fast we've been doing. Not with the food, with a lot of other things. And you know what I've seen? I got a lot of dying to do still. There's still a lot of me living. And it's like I had to be reminded by the Lord. I had to go back to where my first love was, where all I knew was I've been forgiven a thousand talents 
of gold. I've been forgiven a debt that I could never repay. And my life is not my own anymore. It's his. It's not for me to decide what I want to do, what do I want to pursue, what, whether it's eating or however I act, whatever it is. It's not my life anymore. I needed a reminder of that. We could say that with our words. We can even, like Peter, say, oh, of course I would die for Christ. But yet, when the trials come, when those times come, and it's God that truly tests those words, our profession, what's in there will really come out. Whether you pursue the wrong thing, whether you respond in a situation the wrong way, whether you buy something you didn't need, whatever it is, whatever you're turning to other than God just shows there's still something alive there. And God just wants you to lay it down. But you won't until you remember his life that was laid down for you. And you go back to your first love where you didn't have anything except the blood of Christ and what he did on the cross for you. And that's what any of us will ever have to stand on. That's the only thing that will allow you to stand in his holiness in heaven. Nothing else will give you access but the blood of Christ. And the minute you think there's something you can do, you've, you've gotten off track. You've lost sight of the tremendous mercy and grace that has come to you through Christ Jesus. And you will become religious. You will begin to think because you do this and you do that and you do that, God is somehow pleased with you. Well, I would encourage you to read Isaiah 58. You know, I could feel good. Yeah, we just finished this 40-day fast. Yeah, I denied this, I denied that. And God's saying, okay, you, you did all that. But are you loving your wife? Are you loving your brothers and sisters? Are you walking in humility? Are you forgiving freely? Or are you laying burdens on people? That's, that's what they were doing in Isaiah 58. And God rebuked them. And he was basically saying, is this the fast I've chosen? You know, for you to do your little religious exercise, you know, put on sackcloth and ashes. Isn't it to give bread to the hungry? Isn't it to humble yourself? Because they were oppressing one another. I mean, but yet they would say, ah, oh, why hasn't God hurt us? Because it wasn't the fast he had chosen, which was to do mercy. Really, do mercy. Mercy is better than sacrifice. We get it the other way around. We think our sacrifices are pleasing to God when we're not walking in mercy. So in Acts 20, we see the Apostle Paul and he basically is being led by the Holy Spirit to go back to Jerusalem. So he says here in Acts 20, verse 22, And now you see, I am going to Jerusalem bound by the Holy Spirit. Bound by the Holy Spirit. Again, we, we read that and we, we, it looks like restrained. You know, I, I picture a guy in a straitjacket. 
I was actually put in one of those one time. Bound. Pitch, I, I, I think about like the, the movie Ben-Hur when they're, they're leading him in chains, you know, and he's getting sent off to the slave ships. That's what I picture in my mind when I hear bound by the Holy Spirit, shackled, you know. But really, it's just, it's a picture of his life's not his own. And, and how many Paul, times does Paul say, a, a bondservant of Christ? I'm a bondservant of Christ. So it's not about what Paul wants to do. It's not about where, where Paul wants to go. The Holy Spirit has told him, you're going to Jerusalem. Now here's the problem. Um, it's, I'm, I'm going to read this. I think this is the, uh, I think this is the uh, what do you call it, Amplified. And now you see, I'm going to Jerusalem, bound by the Holy Spirit, obligated, compelled by the convictions of my spirit. That's a, that's a Romans 8 led by the spirit life. That's what that looks like. Not knowing what will befall me there, except the Holy Spirit clearly, emphatically affirms to me in city after, after city that imprisonment and suffering await me. Okay, I don't want to go there, right? I'm not, I wouldn't choose that. But yet the Holy Spirit is clear, and he even spoke it, right, when Paul got saved, how much he's going to suffer for my sake. And Jesus told us, he told his disciples, you will be hated, you will be persecuted. If they hated me, they'll hate you. God's making something real to me. Uh, I think it's in Matthew 24. It says, the love of many will wax cold because lawlessness will abound. And I'll probably share a little bit of this in the message I have in a couple of weeks but what's real to me is we got to start learning this now. And that's why a lot of you are going through what you're going through. He's teaching you how to abound in love. That's a, I mean, the disciples had to get a crash course in that. Um, and the Holy Spirit is, is trying to help us see our need for that as he's revealing these things to us. So this is very, very, very important. Because we don't want our love to wax cold. I'm not really being persecuted and my love waxes cold. That's scary. I'm not being persecuted. And my love waxes cold sometimes. It's just not there. I want revenge, I want to respond, whatever it is. It's not soft, it's, it's not hot, it's, it's not, melt, you know, fiery like the love of Christ. But yet, Paul is told, all these things await me. But then he says in verse 24, but none of these things move me. Neither do I esteem my life dear to me. If only I may finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have obtained from which was entrusted to me by the Lord Jesus Christ. And again, 
I want to reiterate this. Every single one of you, I don't care if you're not called to full-time ministry. It has nothing to do with full-time ministry. God has a course laid out for you that you are supposed to run. He has works prepared beforehand specifically for you that he wants you to do. He has a plan for your life that he wants you to walk in. Now, you don't have to get all in your head trying to figure out what that is because mainly he wants you to love people. He wants you to be willing to lay your life down. If you're willing to do that, he'll be able to lead you. Because if you're operating in the natural reasoning mind, you might go do something. It might be glorious. It might, you might give your body to be burned. But if God's not in it, if it's not motivated out of love and you're not led by the Spirit, it profits you nothing. Because it's you, again, trying to do those works that God hasn't prepared for you. See, he's probably going to give you works that you wouldn't choose. That's been my plan anyway. I had different plans, but my life's not my own. And I'm so glad I've allowed his plan because it's so much better. I'm very thankful. None of these things move me. Neither do I see my life dear to myself. If only I may finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have obtained from that which was entrusted me by the Lord Jesus faithfully to attest to the good news, the gospel of God's grace, his unmerited favor, spiritual blessing, and mercy. Yeah, that is the amplified. So what do we see here about Paul? Well, there's cheerful anticipation of suffering. Do we have that? I mean, just think about it. When you know you got a difficult situation or something you know God is calling, do you, you go into that like, praise God. I'm so glad I get to do this, Lord. Thank you. No, I'm usually like, oh, God, help me. Oh, man, what am I going to do this? Jesus, please, I need your grace. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, God, help us. Cheerful anticipation. No care for his own life. Why? What, what's motivating him? We, we see it in 2 Corinthians 4 and 5. What's motivating? So Jesus is glorified. Lord, if this difficult situation of me laying my will down in this situation gives you glory, praise God. Praise the Lord. You know what? Because this light affliction is nothing compared to the future glory that be revealed. That has to be the motivation. I want to glorify you, Lord. I want people to see you. And I know all of you want that, don't you? Right? Don't we want that? I do. I really do. I beg God at times, God, please, just I want your life. I want people to see you. I'm so sick of me, blah, blah, blah. Well, then stop complaining about all the nice situations I'm giving you to humble yourself and to let me do that through you. Stop resisting me. Stop five. Stop doubting me. Stop thinking somehow you got that in you. Because I think that's where we fail a lot of times. We try to do it in our own strength, like Peter. 
I'll die for you. And we're not relying on the Holy Spirit. We're not just getting before God in faith, believing him that he's going to give me what I need. It's all faith. So, in all these things, um, we can rejoice. Like Romans 8.28 tells us that everything we go through for God if we love him, if we trust him, is working out according to his purpose in our lives. So I'm just going to kind of start wrapping it up with this. And again, I, I was thinking of the kids this morning, but really all of us, this whole idea of God has a course laid out for our lives, a purpose. 2 Timothy 4 Verse 6, it says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure at his hand. This is Paul. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not to me only, but also to those who have loved his appearing. So again, that picture of there's a course laid out for me that I am called to run and I'm called to finish it. There's no option of, I can't do this no more. I'm quitting. I give up. Jesus didn't give Peter that option, right? Just because just he blew it. Just because he still was weak in, in many ways. Jesus wasn't concerned. He said, Peter, I have a course for you. You need to get up, wipe your knees off, and get in the race. And guess what? I'll be with you. I'm going to give you everything you don't have in yourself. Jesus, in John 17, he had a course. He said in verse 4, I've glorified you on earth. I've finished the work you have given to me to do. So we see God does have a plan, a purpose for every one of our lives. Not just Jesus, not just Paul, not just the missionaries and all the people we read about that, that have gone before us. He has plans for our lives. Doesn't look the same, but what it's really about is us dying and forsaking our life and what we want and going where we want to do and doing what we want to do and going where we don't want to go and letting someone else lead us. And the someone else is the Holy Spirit. That's really what Jesus was talking about. Peter didn't fully understand that yet, but, but that's really what it's talking about because that's who the sons of God are. They're led by the Spirit, right? And, you know, our labor's not in vain, Everything we do for the Lord is not in vain. There's a crown of glory. There's a reward at the end. There's a well done, my good and faithful servant. So this is what I want to do to close this little talk. I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. So please turn there. 
1 Corinthians 13. The reason why I want to do this is, is this. We've been talking a lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, I finally did the teaching Wednesday night on you know, prayer, language, speaking in tongues. Uh, it is up there for those that weren't able to be here. I know we had a lot of sick people. Please watch that. It's very important. Um, and, and God wants that for all of you. Okay? Uh, Troy gave a wonderful message on faith, right? Was that last week? Who, who remembers what he said? Can anybody give me some snippets from the message? What you learned from it? How you've been putting it into practice? Yeah, I know. To believe in the unseen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's what she said. Don't don't piggyback. Come on. All right. Why am I saying that? What did I preach two weeks ago? <laughs> All right, I'm not picking on you guys. I'm really not. You know, we can get all caught up in all this stuff, all the learning. We, we, we don't need another Bible study. We don't need another teaching. We really don't. Although, of course, I'm going to teach. Of course, I'm going to exhort. I mean, I'm called to do that. So what I'm saying is this. As I go through this, I would rather you get over this, and I'll even include, you know, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, different scriptures like that, and, and just major on living it out, what these verses are saying. If you do that, you're good. All the other stuff, you'll actually be doing it. You'll be in faith. Yeah, all the learning, all the stuff we learn, if we will just do this, you're doing it all, because Jesus summed it all up. In that, love. Love me with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and love others as yourself. You do that, you're good to go. You've fulfilled all my commandments. Everything written down, you've done it all. So the reason why I want to read this is because I believe the Lord wants us to major on this. So I'm going to start in verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries, all knowledge, though I have all faith, so I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Nothing. So what's he talking about here? The gifts? So I can have all faith. I can speak in tongues. I can have the gift of mercy. I can have the gift of prophecy. But if I have not love, it, practices, it profits me nothing. Who is he saying this to? Now, I shared this Wednesday night. The Corinthian church, which were one of the most blessed in the spiritual gifts, but yet one of the most carnal. 
So what's Paul getting at here? He's trying to help them out. He's trying to show them what is more important. And he's basically telling them, listen, I am glad. And he even encouraged them, you need to pursue these gifts. I'm not saying not to pursue them. But you can have all these gifts, but if you are still living your life in the flesh, doing what you want to do, going where you want to go, saying what you want to say, it all means nothing. So it comes back to what Jesus was getting at in Peter and what I just shared with you all. What's God more interested in? How does he get the most glory out of our lives when we die? And we surrender and we let his life be lived through us. And we crucify the flesh. Okay? And that's what this is. You cannot do this without crucifying the flesh. Okay? So now as I go through this, remember what I said in the beginning. Who are we looking at? Is it my spouse? My coworker, My kids? Mommy? Daddy? Who am I looking at? Me. Who's this for? Me. All right. So now as we read it, I want you to let the scripture examine you. And I want you to think about, even if it's just this week, how you did with this. Okay? Love suffers long. Are you patient with others in your day-to-day dealings? Do you long suffer with people the way God has been long suffering with you? Do you bear others' faults just like they're your own? Do you pray for them instead of murmuring and complaining about them? Because that's what bearing is. Love is kind. Have you been kind this week with your speech? Or you've been harsh and cutting? Are you polite? If we truly love others, we'll be kind. We'll want to do good to them. Instead of acting harsher or wanting revenge, we'll show them kindness instead. Now, again, this is Jesus. This is exactly what Jesus did. And this is what we're, we're to love as he loved. All right, love does not envy. Do you rejoice when others are preferred above you and, and, and blessed and maybe even praised and you're not? Or do you get an envy? See, love always rejoices to see the other happy and blessed. Instead of, why them? Why not me? It's not fair. You know, children, we could do that with our brothers and sisters very easily, right? Mommy, don't do that for me. We used to get that in our house all the time because I was a mama's boy. Love does not parade itself. Am I constantly throwing up in in someone else's face what I'm doing right and promoting myself? Love's not puffed up. 
I mean, am I full of pride? Do I consider my interests and, and what I want more important than other people? That will come out in how you talk, your decisions, the time you give to people, it's so many different ways. Love does not behave rudely. In other words, you're nice. You're nice to people. You treat them accordingly. Love uh, uh, seeks to avoid anything that would offend or promote or not promote the well-being of another. Love does not seek it, its own. Basically, love is not selfish. It really, it's, it's kind of the same as puffed up. Um, but, you know, are there things that I do, but yet I expect something in return? And if I don't get it in return, I get sour or complain or murmur. Love doesn't seek its own. Love is just about doing for others, joyfully. No matter what the others do, no matter what I get back in return. Love is not provoked. How do I respond when someone does something I don't like? Do I get angry? Do I vent my irritation? Or do I choose at that moment to do something different from the heart at that moment? A person who's yielding to God's love looks at things through God's eyes. We learn to subdue personal feelings. See, that's the flesh. We learn to let the Holy Spirit subdue those feelings. We deny them. We crucify them. And then we put on the fruits of the Spirit. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. It's because love's not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Where does your mind go with other people? Especially, you know, when maybe they're doing something or you feel like they've done something to you. Where does your mind go? Do you go to the worst case scenario? Do you think evil in your heart towards them? Do you keep a record of faults in your mind, in your heart? Or maybe do you even write them down? Do you keep a record? Love doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. Do you take pleasure when someone else fails? Or, ah, see, I knew it. <laughs> Look at them. When you should grieve and pray for them and pray God's favor and grace on their lives and mercy. Because love bears all things. All things. It doesn't just try to put up with people. It bears them. And it bears them to God. See, we'll put up with people. You know what the problem with that is? There's a limit to that. You ever hear, I've had it! Yeah, that's because you set your boundaries. Our mercy, our patience, whatever you want to call it, it's got limits. And pity on the person when we cross those limits, right? Yeah. Yeah. Love believes all things. Do you hold on to what God believes about the person or what you believe? See, Jesus didn't do that with Peter. 
right? I mean, even now, do you, do you think things of Peter? Like, yeah, Peter, I wouldn't have done that. You know, Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth. I'm not like that. I'm quiet. It's the quiet ones you got to look out for. They're dangerous. They're the Mount Vesuvius waiting to explode. Yeah, at least we vent, you know, us big mouths. We just get it out there, you know. I'll tell you what, though. That doesn't even feel funny to me right now. Because I've hurt people with my big mouth. I got a big mouth sometimes. Are you looking at you? Love hopes all things. Love always hopes in God, always puts the other person in his merciful hands. Have you ever said to someone, you'll never change? God doesn't do that. He hopes all things. He's always thinking the best about us. You know, I've, I've fought that in my heart, if I'm honest with myself. Yeah, they're, they're just, they're never going to get it. God's not like that. He hopes all things. Love endures all things. Again, it goes back to, you know, do I murmur, complain about my situation or am I patiently bearing up under it? Joyfully. Love never fails. See, if we're walking in the love of God, truly, our love won't grow cold when lawlessness abounds around us. And it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And if we don't know how to walk in the love of Christ, our love is going to wax cold. So if you're sensing maybe you're not, I don't know if you can grade yourself on that, like what grade would you give yourself on that? Don't despair. Just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I don't want to be the opposite of what this is, Lord. And Lord, I, I see what I'm like. I see what I do. I see what goes on in my heart. And God, I repent. Lord, I'm grieving, just like Peter. I'm grieved, Lord, at what I'm seeing. Now again, when you do that, God's not going, good, finally. You finally get it. You finally see what you're like, good. He don't do that. He looks at you, he says, feed my lambs. I forgive you. You're washed, you're cleansed. Go, go now. Go, go. Feed my sheep. Love as I've loved you. You see how I've loved you? See, I didn't keep a record of wrong. See, I was kind to you. See, you didn't get what you thought you were going to get. 
because I'm not like you. I'm lowly. I'm gentle at heart. And I love you. I want what's best for you. And I want other people to know my love. So now that you understand how much I love you, go in love. That's what he's calling us to. And Lord, I thank you. Your word says in John 13, 35, this is how all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So I'm going to leave you guys. Really, I'm not going to have an altar call. I feel like this is something you need to go home and maybe read over this chapter. Maybe go through the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And just pray. Pray that, that prayer in Psalm 139. Lord, search me. Lord, know my heart. Lord, try me. Know my anxiety. See if there's any wicked way in me. And then, Lord, lead me in the way of everlasting. See, that's it right there. Show me. Show me where I'm still not like you, where I still haven't died to my flesh, where it's still me wanting to do what I want to do, go where I want to go. Lord, show me. But as he shows you, just repent. Peter was repenting. You know, Lord. Yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, God, I know what I did. But I love you, God. I don't want to fail you. I want, I want to live my life for you. Jesus knew that. And he totally forgave him. And then he gave him what he didn't have. And, and then you, you need to just get up, not despair in that. Just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me, God. Thank you for your blood. And Lord, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for the grace that you've given me so that I can love people. And because you understand your weakness, hopefully you'll rely more on him in those times. And this is something you're going to have to do moment by moment by moment by moment. And if you do, he will give you the grace to love as, others, as he has loved you. So Lord, I thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for speaking to me personally. Why don't you just say that? To me. To me. Not anybody else. This is for me. Thank you, Lord. And Lord, I open my heart to you. I invite you to show me the areas in my life where it's still me wanting to do what I want to do, go where I want to go. There's still self-will in there, whatever it is, the pride. Lord, I just lay it at your feet. I repent, Lord, and, and I confess, as Peter did, I, I love you, Lord. I, I do love you, God. Help me to love others. Help me in this situation I'm in. Help me, whatever it is that he's showing you. And I pray, God, you will give us all the grace to walk in your love, Lord, to deny our flesh, to by the Spirit crucify the flesh with all of its deeds and thoughts and self-will, everything that has to do with the flesh, Lord. Help us to deny and crucify it, reckon ourselves dead that we might walk in the Spirit and bear fruits, bear fruits, 
and live lives that are pleasing to you, Lord, and lives that will glorify you, Lord, as we love one another and as we love those even that hate us. Lord, more than ever, we're going to need to learn that. So God, I pray you would do that in our hearts and in this body. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. God bless you guys.